you would join me please in Luke chapter 12, I'll be starting in verse 35. Stay dressed for action, keep your lamps burning, and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast, so that they may be so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table, and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. And Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all? And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and wise manager, whom his master will set over his household, to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant, whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that servant says to himself, My master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him. And at that hour, he, or at an hour, he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. And that servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much was given of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrust much, they will demand the more. And I came to cast fire on the earth and wood that it were already kindled. I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. Do you think that I have come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. For from now on in one house there will be five divided, three against two, two against three. They will be divided father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother. Mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. He also said to the crowds, When you see a cloud rising in the west, you say at once, A shower is coming, and so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, There will be a scorching heat, and it happens. You hypocrites, you, do, or you know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? Why do you not judge for yourselves what is right as you go with your accuser before the magistrate? Make an effort to settle with him on the way, lest he drag you to the judge, and the judge hand you over to the officer, and the officer put you in prison. I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the very last penny. Join me in prayer. Father God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the opportunity that we have to, to come and, and worship you, to offer up... Uh, the little that we have, to your great name. I thank you for your mercies and your sacrifice, Lord. I thank you for your word that allows us to uh, study you, to grow closer with you. And I just pray that your spirit would be here amongst us, that you would anoint Jackie, that uh, you would drive this home, Lord, that we would be ready, that we would cast ourselves at your feet and be prepared 
for what you have for us. And I just ask these things in your mighty name. Amen. Well, good news. I found my glasses. <laughs> so it's been a few weeks since we've been in Luke. We did a few weeks on prayer. And I know that uh, for some, they, the, the desire to continue. Just because I'm not teaching on prayer doesn't mean you've got to stop praying. Okay? <laughs> so keep in mind, set aside your time. Make an appointment with the Lord. Listen before you speak. And spend time calling upon his name. As we come to back to the Gospel of Luke, I want to remind us where we've been. You remember we started in the Gospel of Luke. Luke began by introducing us to two people, right? Jesus and John, two babies. Each the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies. One of the, of the prophetic messenger and the other of the Messiah, right? John the Baptist, prophetic messenger. Jesus, the Messiah. Then, from the introduction, first couple of chapters in Luke, we go to Jesus' pronouncement of his message. And his pronouncement of his message is, uh, in in Luke chapter 4, he tells us that he's come to give good news to the poor. That word poor, it's an interesting word, especially when you go back to Isaiah uh, 61, 1 and 2, and you look at it in the Hebrew, because that word poor basically means outcast. Anybody outside of social norms, people who haven't made it into the fold. He says, I've come to bring good news to them. Not only to them, listen to what he said. I, I've come to give good news to the poor, liberty to the captives, uh, the blind will see, the oppressed will be set free. It means that they're going to find a release. <clears throat> There's going to be a transformation. That which is considered unholy will become holy. We've talked about this before. Because there was a, a teaching God taught throughout the Old Testament that when we, you and I, we touch that which is unholy, what happens? Well, we become unholy, right? We, we're unclean, right? The clean becomes unclean. But Jesus came and said everything on its ear because he did the opposite. He did the opposite, right? He touched the unclean and he didn't become unclean. What happened? The blind saw, the lame walked, the lepers were cleansed. Holy, changed, transformed the outcasts. I've come to bring good news to the poor. I've come to bring good news to show them this transformation that takes place. And that transformation works across the board. Because I want you to understand, and we're going to see it as we continue, the poor were not always the ones who didn't have money. In a few chapters, we're going to meet a guy named Zacchaeus. Right? Everybody knows Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Thank you. Wee little man was he. Right? We remember from Sunday school? But he wasn't, he was poor, but he was wealthy. He was an outcast. He was outside of the holiness of God, and Jesus Christ came to proclaim liberty to the captives, freedom to the oppressed. What does he say in Zacchaeus? When we get to Zacchaeus and we study him, he says, Salvation has come to the house of Zacchaeus. Transformation, because that which is holy touched that which was unclean, and he became clean. 
Now as Jesus goes about and he announces his message, he's teaching his kingdom. And his kingdom is an upside down kingdom. Right? It's not the way we do kingdom. Jesus' kingdom is, is upside down. He says, if you want to be great, do what? Serve. You want to be great? Be a servant. <clears throat> Have this concept that our value systems are upside down. He calls his people to a, a kind of radical generosity, which is modeled by God, isn't it? I mean, if you can picture just this, the incarnation, Almighty God coming in the form of man and and. And what is given, that's radical generosity. And then Jesus on earth, what's he say to you and I? Come what? Follow me, right? Come follow me. Follow the steps, this upside down kingdom, servant leadership, peacemaking, forgiving, all these things. And we, we look at it and we celebrate. And then Luke told us about this picture. Remember the transfiguration of Christ and, and Moses is there. And we see this this little hint, this little shadow that Jesus is a deliverer like Moses to, tr- to take his people to the promised land. We can't get there, right? The whole Old Testament is about how we can't get there and we mess it up and we, we, need, we need something else. I'm unclean. Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 6, he declares it before all the people. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. And what does Isaiah declare? Woe is me. Because I'm unclean and he's holy. So what happens? God touches him. And he becomes holy. He becomes sanctified. And then what does God say? Who will go for us? And, And Isaiah's response? Here am I. Send me. Isn't that exactly? Don't we see that in Jesus, in his ministry? As he's... He's, he's delivering what was foreshadowed by Isaiah. He's delivering the reality of it. He's delivering this transformation of life. This new deliverer. The, the, the deliverer who's going to, to take us finally and ultimately to the promised land. But you know what happens as he goes down and he sees this sinful woman and he lifts her up and transforms her life. And he sees this sinful man and he lifts her, lifts him up and and transform his life, everybody's not happy about it. Are they? They're not. You have the religious elite who are frustrated about letting these dirty people in. Letting them come and be a part. And so you see the battlefield laid out, right? Jesus proclaims His ministry. The battle, the, the battle lines are drawn. The people that come to Jesus are the broken. They're the ones who are following Him. Twelve broken disciples. Yeah? And hundreds or thousands of broken people who are, who are following Him for, for the, the promise of transformation that they see. But you have the other side, the religious hypocrites. They can't celebrate the good news to the poor, the outcast, or the sinner. And they find themselves in opposition to God. So from about chapter 9 to 19, Jesus begins through the Gospel of Luke to show us uh, His winding journey to Jerusalem, to the fulfillment, to the crucifixion. And as He goes along the way, He teaches parables. 
He sends out the 70. He, he shows people what walking with Jesus is like. He gives us little illustrations and examples and parables to teach us. And as these teachings flow, we, we are oftentimes hit with what Jason said a few weeks ago, opposite day. Because we look and we think, wow, this is, this is not how it ought to be. But God's values and my values are not always the same. God's priorities and my priorities are not always the same. What I think maybe should be more important, maybe it isn't. So what is it that the Jesus teaches? So, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Who's the middle of the story? He is. Seek His kingdom first, and all these other things will be added unto you. Now, this section we find ourselves in this morning is a series of God's warnings. How are you going to respond to the good news of the kingdom? How are you going to respond to the gospel? How, what are you going to do with these things that Jesus has taught? How will we respond? How will we, will we join the banquet of broken lives? The, the banquet of those broken who found their, their healing and their wholeness in Jesus Christ? Where we could declare His banner over me is love, right? His banner over me is love. He's transformed me. He has changed me. I was once this, but now I'm a new creation created in Christ Jesus, right? Once was lost, but now I'm found. Or will we stand with a hypocrite in opposition to what God is doing? Now Jesus adds a little bit of of an interesting flavor. He says, the day of the Lord's coming. Don't wait. The day of the Lord is coming. How will you respond? There will be a day. The day of the Lord is coming. And it's not about us finding the great day. It's about this. How will the great day find me? The day of the Lord is coming. The Bible talks about the day of the Lord over and over and over again. I know we have a lot of... Uh, kind of a mix of eschatological ideals, and that's okay. I'm just going to focus on the concept of the day of the Lord, right? Because we all agree on that part. <laughs> I promise, the day of the Lord is coming. It's in every book. 66 books talk about the day of the Lord. The coming of the day of the Lord. And so this is a, something that Jesus lays out there for us. But as He lays out these ideas, this concept about the message following Him, the broken Becoming holy, being touched by God, right? Being touched by Him, being forgiven of our sins, repenting and following Him. That, that's the whole story. In a nutshell, following Him. He's going to lay out for us four struggles that we have in this section. Four things that we struggle with that we're going to deal with. And the first one is the problem of preparation. Are you ready? Are you ready? Because the Bible says today's the day of salvation. Now is the time. Now is when we need to be responding to what the Lord is laying in our heart. In verse 35, he says, Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. He says, Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly! I say to you, he will dress himself for service 
and have them recline at the table, and he will come and serve them. That's incredible as we look at a true picture of opposite day, right? Jesus coming, the servant being ready when he comes, and Jesus says, I'm going to serve you. The master will serve the slave rather than the other way around. The kingdom of God is an upside down kingdom, at least the way we think. And so he lays out this idea. What's the problem of preparation? Are you ready? Are you dressed and ready for action? Are your lamps burning? I know that we are not always because Paul in his time, which is shortly after the the resurrection of Christ, certainly within that next generation, what do we have Paul saying? Wake up. Why would he say wake up? Who do you say wake up to? People who are awake? So who do you say wake up to? People who are asleep, right? Paul says, awake. Awake out of sleep. Wake up. What is the idea? He's he's talking about those who are going to respond faithfully to what God is laying out for them. Jesus has just gone all throughout chapter 2 with a variety of teachings. He's saying, will you be faithful? Will you be faithful? (coughs) A faithful servant is ready. He doesn't know when the master's coming, but when the master comes, he's got a job to do. What's the job? Open the door. Right? He's dressed. He's ready. Because he longs to see the master. Is that how we live our lives? Are we waiting for Jesus Christ? Listen, there's a couple of examples of that in the Gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 2 verse 25. It says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Simeon, remember Jesus is being brought to the temple, and Simeon has been waiting for the consolation, the day when Messiah would come. And here comes baby Jesus, Simeon, full of the Holy Spirit. Man, he goes over to him, prophesies over him, right? Because he was doing what? Waiting. Wasn't on his couch watching TV. What was he doing? He was, he was waiting. He was looking for him. He was doing the things that, that God's people ought to be about. He was dressed, ready to open the door. And when he saw Messiah, he did what he was intended to do. He fulfilled his calling. Verse 38, we have another example. Chapter 2 of Luke, verse 38. And coming up at that very hour... She began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Oh, now we have another, this time a prophetess who's waiting for the Lord, praying, seeking his face, looking for him. There had been 400 years of silence. There had been no prophet in all of Israel. If there was ever a time to quit, it would have been then. But no, she was waiting, she was praying, she was seeking God, she was going after Him. This is what Jesus Christ is calling the good servant to, right? The good servant, he's waiting, he's looking, he's longing, because he wants to see the kingdom of God. Jesus, when asked, Lord, teach us to pray, what was part of the prayer? Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Are you longing for the kingdom of God? 
Are you looking for the kingdom of God? Titus 2.13 says that we are waiting for our blessed hope. Who is our blessed hope? The appearing and glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's our blessed hope. We're waiting for Jesus. We're looking for Him. We're longing for Him. We want to see His face. We're ready to open the door, which means we're alert, ready to respond. We're awake. Can't be sleeping and open the door for Him. We're awake. We understand The day, the time, what's going on in our world today? Do Christians need to be a part of what's happening? Or shall we just go back in our our houses, in our tight little communities, close the door? And we call that waiting, right? Waiting for God to rescue us? Or are we to be waiting, looking for Him? Active, a part of what's happening in our world, engaging in the world, standing at the door, looking for the opportunity, looking for opportunities to open that door. He says, when he comes, there will be a reversal of fortunes. The humble are exalted, and he who is the master will serve the servant. As Jason shared last time, opposite day, time when the upside down kingdom has come. For the faithful, what is it that God's saying? I'm going to serve you. I'm going to serve you. You guys all know what it says in John 13? I don't know what it would have been like to be there that day. The disciples were all gathered in the upper room, arguing about who's the greatest. And while they're arguing, Jesus gets up, and he takes off his cloak, and he girds himself with a towel. And he picks up a basin of water, and he washes their feet. Now, I'd I'd have done the same thing Peter did. No, you're not touching my feet. I know. I've been in a foot washing ceremony before, and that's exactly what I did. They come to me, and I was like, no, no, I'm not taking off my shoes. I don't like people touching my feet. No. But what did Jesus say to Peter? Peter, if I can't wash your feet, you have nothing to do with me. There's an there's a incredible amount of humility that it would take, Right? To see the master of the universe come to watch your feet and to sit there and let that happen. But Jesus calls us to be what? Humble. Not prideful. Humble. Able to allow the master to do this incredible thing. And this is what we see in this parable. But immediately he moves from that parable, this idea of someone who's ready, waiting for the master, to the parable of the thief. Look at verse 39. But know this. If the master of the house had known what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. So you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. The Son of Man is coming. The day of the Lord is coming. It is coming. No question absolutely will come. It's, It's dumb to say, Well, I'll get ready then. Because the scripture says he comes as a thief in the night. He comes as a thief. The point of scripture is to be ready when? Now, all the time, every day, ready. Every day, ready to accomplish the things that God's moving and working in our life. So he says, know this. Be ready. 
You must be ready for the Son of Man is coming when you don't expect. That's an emphatic. He's talking to the multitudes and looking at the disciples. You have to be ready. You have to. Don't be ready tomorrow. Be ready today. Don't put it off. Be prepared. 1 Thessalonians 5.2 For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Verse 4 You are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. You're not in darkness. You know. You, I just told you. If you never heard it before, I just said, The Lord's coming. Be ready. The Lord's coming. Be prepared. 2 Peter 3, 9 and 10. The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar. The heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. The earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. The day of the Lord will come. The day of the Lord will come. Revelation 3.3 Remember then what you have received and heard. Keep it and repent. And if you will not wake up, listen, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. This is one of the letters to the seven churches, the church in the the book of Revelation. One of the warnings Jesus is saying, the same thing we see here. Hey, remember what you've heard, received it, keep it, hold it close, value the teachings that Christ has given us. And then what's the next word? Repent. Yeah, repent. There's no such thing as as someone who does not need repentance. Our lives should be marked by repentance. Repenting, making our lives right before God. Repenting and waking up, right? He says, if you won't wake up, then when I come, you won't be ready. Be ready. Be ready. Revelation 16, 15, the Lord says, Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake. Keep his garments on, that he may not go about naked. And be seen exposed. The problem of the thief. Two examples he lays out here. For preparation. If you knew the thief was coming. You would be ready. Right? This is Idaho. I don't even want to see how many people are carrying right now. In church. It's okay. We don't throw you out for that. But in Idaho. That's not uncommon is it? Because we want to be what? Oh, if something happens, we want to be what? So we'll run around carrying a pistol, being ready for something to happen. So that more than you do that, you should be ready for the return of Jesus Christ. You should be ready for Him. I don't know if the other will happen, but I can promise you this one will. The Lord will come. And if you're asleep, what's He say? You won't be ready. Be ready. Be aware. Understand that the day of the Lord is coming. Now, the second point that he lays out for us is the problem of procrastination. We got anybody who procrastinates here? (coughs) One or two? The problem of procrastination. In other words, don't wait for tomorrow. Do it today. Now is the time. Today is the day. Look at verse 41. So Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all? I love it when Jesus gets asked 
asked a question and he doesn't answer it. So when Peter said, Lord, is this for us or for everybody? By Jesus not answering it, what do you think he's saying? Yeah. Listen, I'm not absolving you, Peter. This for you, not just them other knuckleheads over there. Well, Lord, you can't really mean this for me. We're your disciples, of course, we're awake. No, in a few chapters, they're going to be sleeping in the garden. Yes or no? Be awake. Be ready. This is for everyone to be aware. The Lord said, this is how he answers the question, Who then is a faithful and wise manager? Some of your translations say steward. Same thing. Whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time. Blessed is the servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. What's he mean? Here you have a servant who knows what his master wants him to do. Yes? He knows. What am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to feed and take care of the other servants. So the scripture says, this first example, the scripture says, Blessed is the one when the master returns, he finds him doing what he knows he's supposed to be doing. Feeding them. Taking care of them. Doing what he is supposed to do. This is the example for the faithful and wise steward. It says, Blessed is that one whom his master will find so doing. Truly, I say, he will set him over all his possessions. So he's given this slave, this servant has a responsibility to his master. He knows what he's supposed to do. He does what he's supposed to do. So the master rewards him with more responsibility. More responsibility is an exaltation. Right? God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. The Bible says that if we humble ourselves before the Lord, He will what? Lift us up. Do you know what you're supposed to do for the Lord? If you read the Bible at all, you have some idea. Blessed is the one who is so doing. This is the first example. This one's not procrastinating, he's doing it. He's doing what's supposed to be done. Look at verse 45. But if that servant says to himself, Well, my master's not coming today. And begins to beat the male and female servants. Those are the guys he's supposed to take care of. And eat and drink and get drunk. Now he's feeding himself and and taking care of himself, but not them. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect. At an hour he does not know. And will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. He has his portion with the unbeliever. Man, that's not good, right? Can we all agree on that? Anybody want to be cut into and thrown out with the unfaithful? So we don't want to procrastinate. We don't want to say, the master's not coming, and what were they doing? They're abusing the ones they're supposed to take care of. I just want you to think to Peter. Remember Peter who denied the Lord Jesus? And then in John chapter 21, Jesus meets them while they're out fishing. Everybody remember the story? Peter swims up to him. It's a time when Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? We remember? And, and three times Peter responds, Yea, Lord, I love you. Yea, Lord, I love you. The, the third time his heart is breaking because he says, Lord, you know all things. I can't lie to you. You know I love you. Every time, what is it that Jesus said? Feed my sheep, feed my lambs, tend the sheep. There was a master who went away and he told his servant, take care of the other servants. Feed them. 
Watch out for him. But this one guy said, Oh, I don't have to worry about it. He's not coming back anytime soon. That type of thinking causes us to live a life that is not honoring what God has called us to. What's he called me to? Feed my fellow servants. To tend the sheep, feed the lambs. Looking for those opportunities where we can fulfill the purpose that God has for us. Example number two, he uses the time he thinks he has for violence and selfish excess. Uses it for violence and selfish excess. And what's he rewarded with? A portion with the unfaithful. In other words, yeah. How many of you guys know that the words are the easy part? Do you guys know that? I always think of women when I think of this, because I was once a thorough dirtbag. <laughs> and um, it was not uncommon for me to say to somebody, some woman that I was chasing, how much I cared for her, that I love her. But folks, the proof of the pudding is in the eating. What are you doing? I'm hating. I'm destroying. I'm not loving. You say the words anytime you want to say the words. You can say, in the United States of America, so many people say they believe in Jesus. Our, our country should be going in a totally different direction. But the words is the easy part. What are you doing? Do you think the master's never coming back and it doesn't matter what I do or how I live, what I do with my life? Jesus would say differently. He gives the example of the man who uses his time for violence and selfish excess. And he is counted with the unfaithful, the unbeliever. They know the will of the master. They know what they're supposed to do. But that knowledge is never translated into deed I know what I ought to do but I will not or do not do it then we have example number 3 verse 47 that servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will will receive a severe beating that doesn't sound good either right so so that would be something we wouldn't aim for wouldn't you agree is that our goal in life? I know what I want to do. I know what God wants me to do. So I'm going to live my life in opposition to that so I can receive a severe beating. Sometimes we think that's what our children think, don't we? At night when it's time to put them to bed. And you say, time to go to bed, guys. And then they're always, well, maybe some of you guys probably have good kids. <clears throat> I didn't have any of those. So there would always be the time to go to bed, time to go to bed, time to go to bed, and now the beatings will commence, right? <laughs> that was daily deal. It was not a shock when dad came down the hallway with his belt, whooping his sons into their bedrooms to go to sleep. They knew that was going to happen every day, but sometimes they just wanted to choose a beating. Is that who we are in Christ? Is that we know what it is that God's called us to? We know what it is that God wants us to walk in. But in disobedience, that's not what I want to aim for. That's not where I, that's not where I want to find myself. He says, but to the one who did not know, 
and did what deserved a beating, he receives a light beating. Why? There's degrees of punishment. I don't know that you can argue that differently. Can you? The one who knew and didn't do it receives a severe beating. The one who didn't know but did the same thing the other guy did, he gets a less beating, a lighter beating. Look, they both got beatings. I don't want to aim for neither one of those. The thing I'm looking for when I see Jesus is a moment where I stand before him. I look into his eyes. He throws his arms around me and says, well done. And I only got one life to get that. That's it. One life. There's no redo button at the end that you're standing before God and saying, wow, you know what I wish I would have done with my life. There's no such thing. There's just simply living our lives faithful, honoring God. Understanding what it is that he's calling us to and doing what it is that he's calling us to. For everyone to whom much is given of him, much will be required. And from him whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. Jesus Jesus judges on the basis of our faithfulness. He said in Hosea 6, 4, 6, he said, listen, this is what I'm looking for. This is what I want from you. Faithful love. I want your faithfulness. I want you to be faithful to me. And if we think about it, we're not looking for something different from a relationship, are we? Are we looking for a husband or wife who's unfaithful? You know what I'm looking for? I want to find that the, the ad in the paper for unfaithful wives. That's what I want for a wife. Or unfaithful husbands. Oh, we say that's ridiculous. I guess the dumbest thing I heard of. Well, then listen, because your God says he wants you To be faithful to him. He's looking for faithful servants. Who know what the master wants of them. And do it. Until they see his face. One life. I used to spend a lot of time when I was coaching football. Coach football for a long time. I used to spend a lot of time telling the kids as freshmen. You got four years. If you sell out and do the things I'm asking you to do, you'll play for a championship. We played for so many championships in those days, it was ridiculous. I can't tell you how many guys get to the end and didn't do it. And found themselves falling short. You don't get high school again. You get it one time. That's a small illustration of the life you get to live before your God and Savior Jesus Christ. And you got one chance in that life to live a life honoring Him, glorifying Him, lifting His name on high. Not waiting for tomorrow, but doing it today, doing it now, whatever it costs. One chance. We don't want to be those who procrastinate and watch that just fade away. We want to be those who are faithful for to whom much is given, much is required. Man, Lifestyle reveals worldview. Worldview reveals what's really in your heart. You say this, but you live that way. These are the fun conversations I have with atheists. Yes, you, you say this, but you don't live that way. You borrow from a Christian worldview and you live that way. Nobody, not too many... Live the atheist worldview that you can't know good or evil. 
that there is no such thing except whatever you think, whatever you say. They borrow from my worldview, from Christianity. They borrow from me because I say there is a moral right and a moral wrong. And you, you are accountable for those things. But the reality is you say whatever you want to with your mouth. All we have to do is step back and watch, right? How do you live? Because you're going to live your worldview. And your worldview is going to tell me what's really in your heart. Are you living your life like you could meet Jesus Christ any moment, any day? Whether because He comes, whether because He calls, whether because He brings you home. Are you ready? Are you ready for Him? We want to be ready. Next we see this concept of purpose that Jesus brings out in verse 49. We have this concern of the Lord. He said, I came to cast fire on the earth, and would that it were already kindled. I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. Where I told you he's on the road where? Going to Jerusalem for what? To die on the cross, right? To pave the way. He says, I've come to bring fire. Now, here's what you need to understand. We say, well, Jesus brings salvation and fire is always about judgment. Well, salvation always brings judgment. Because now you're accountable. Yes? The repentant are saved. To them, it's salvation. To the unrepentant, what is it? Fire. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Having rejected the the free gift of His Son, what's that going to look like? Man, I want to be ready. In Mark 10, Jesus talking to his disciples who had just asked, actually their mom had asked, can, when you come to your glory, can my sons be on your right and left? And Jesus, when he's talking about his glory, is thinking about the cross. And so he says this to them in Mark 10, 38. Jesus said, you do not know what you are asking for. Are you able to drink the cup which I drink? Or to be baptized with the baptism with which I'm baptized? What was he referring to? The cross. And there were two crosses, one on his right and one on his left. And I don't think James and John wanted to be on them. But they didn't know. This is where Christ is going. This is what he's talking about. This deep concern, the fulfillment of his purpose, the reward for the faithful, the judgment for the unrepentant. That's what Jesus Christ is accomplishing. The Bible says when Jesus came, he didn't come to condemn the world. Why? Because the world's already condemned. He came to do what? Provide a way for salvation. The day of the Lord's coming. The day of fire. Thick smoke. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you procrastinating? Do you understand the conflicts that are going to develop? Jesus dying on the cross brings conflict. Look what it says in 51. Do you think that I've come to give peace on earth? Well, that's what the angels sang, didn't they? Peace on earth, goodwill. We've all sung it on Christmas time, haven't we? Do you think I've come to give peace on earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, in one house there will be five divided, three against two, two against three. They will be divided, father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother. Mother-in-law against daughter-in-law. Daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Micah 7.6, I think, is a scripture that he's referring to. 
The, the point is, Jesus Christ creates conflict because there's one way to be saved. There's one way. We have to respond to Him. So what happened when Jesus lifted up that, that, that woman who was a sinner? The people who thought themselves holy were upset. Uh, why is He touching her? Why is He touching the leper? Why is he touching the outcasts? Why doesn't he just touch us? Well, there's a scary thing. Let me help you all. In comparison to God, you are all outcasts. And Jesus came to touch you and make you holy. But some people in their self-righteousness, they, they can't see it. They hate the broken. They, they, they despise them because they're rejecting who they are in reality. I'm a broken man. Made whole by the blood of Jesus Christ. Not by anything I've done. But I know what my master wants of me. And so my life is going to match my words. Does that make sense? My life is going to match my words. Jesus said, I didn't come for peace, but there will be division. There's peace in your heart, yes. And there will be peace on earth. But there is division. People stand up in opposition to what God is doing because His kingdom is upside down. He says something like to a rich man, take all your goods, sell them, give them to the poor, come follow me. And the rich man went away sorrowful. I didn't come to bring peace. Division. There's one way. Come and follow me. Jesus may call you to do things that don't make any sense. Is that, is that all that uncommon in Scripture? He may call you to do things that do make sense. Is that okay? But whatever He calls us to do, we want to respond. Don't we want to respond? Don't we want to do and, and respond to what Jesus is saying? But He says, look, they're not going to, everybody's not going to get it. Everybody's not going to buy it. Everybody's not going to come along. Some people want it their way. Anybody ever experienced that? No? Yeah, sometimes people just want it their way. The gospel according to me. Here's the gospel according to me. The gospel according to Jesus is a little bit different. Next he tells us about our priorities. Look at verse 54. He also said to the crowds, When you see a cloud rising in the west, you say at once a shower is coming, and it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you see there will be scorching heat, and it happens. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and sky. Why do you not know how to interpret this present time? Jesus is saying, man, the kingdom, I'm offering you the kingdom, but you're not responding. Compare that to Luke chapter 19, verse 41. And when he drew near, and he saw the city, he wept over, and he said, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you, surround you, hem you in on every side, tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. I offered you the kingdom. 
I'm offering you the kingdom. Will you respond? How much time do we have? What time do we have? What time? Today is the day. Now is the time. Verse 57, he says, Why do you not judge for yourself what is right? Am I doing what is right? Listen to what he says. In closing, listen to what he says. As you go with your accuser before the magistrate, make an effort to settle with him on the way, lest he drag you to the judge. And the judge hand you over to the officer, and the officer puts you in prison. I tell you, you won't get out until you pay every penny. He says, on your way to court with a human accuser, you try to work it out before you get there so you don't stand before the judge. If you are willing to reconcile with a human accuser, how much more should you want to reconcile with God? To have peace with God. To be reconciled with Him. Jesus says He's on His way to Jerusalem as He's teaching, as He's laying out the teaching in in Luke chapter 12 and He's talking to Him about His upside-down kingdom. As he's talking to him about opposite days, he's talking to him about the, the different things he's saying. Are you ready? Are you ready? Because there are those who heard Jesus. And then the crucifixion happens, and then the day of Pentecost, and the church blows up, and things are happening, but they're just kind of not really into what's going on, and they're kind of laying back and watching. 70 A.D. The enemies came, set up embankments around Jerusalem, and tore it down to the ground. Left not one stone upon another. Millions died there. I don't know what's coming tomorrow. I don't know what's happened the week after that, but God knows. And he's offering me the kingdom now. Will you respond? We respond to the kingdom that God's calling us to, and not just with words, not with easy believism. Yeah, I believe. As I go about never thinking, never praying, never reading, I don't know if your lifestyle is the same as a Christian worldview. So the word calls us, let a man examine himself and see that he is in the faith. No. Today's the day. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity we have, Lord Jesus, to study your word, to look at the, at the things, God, as you lay them out before us. God, this idea that, that John touches on in, uh, in 1 John chapter 3, he talks about, we don't know what we will be, but we know this, when we see him, we will be as he is. And everyone who has this hope within him purifies himself as he is pure. Because we're looking for you, Jesus. I want to be like you. I want to talk like you. I want to walk like you. God, I want, to, I want, to, I want you to transform my life. I know where I was, but God, I, I know that I'm not where you want me to be. So I want that transformation to continue to be working. So I need to be ready. I need to be suited up and ready. I need to be standing at the door, ready to open the door. Even as the word declares, behold, I stand at the door and knock. 
And if any of you opens the door, I will come into him and sub with him and he with me. Communion happens when the servant is standing by the door waiting for the master. Ready to open. Ready to experience all that God has for us. I want to make use of the time. Not sleeping. The church has been asleep and so our world is where it is. It's time for the church to wake up. And I'm looking for Jesus. I hope he comes tomorrow. I hope the trumpet sounds and he calls his church home. But if it doesn't, I am to engage this culture. I am to do the master's bidding. He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of every nation. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them the things that I have commanded. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. I know what I'm supposed to do. God, I pray that we, your people, would say, God, this is, this is my call. This is, this is where I'm supposed to be. Not thinking, I'm never going to see the Lord and none of this stuff matters and how I live doesn't make any difference. But rather saying, no, today's the day. Now's the time. I want to be who Jesus wants me to be right now. And I can't do that for tomorrow. Tomorrow takes care of itself. I mean, right now, today, I'm going to be who Jesus wants me to be now. I'm going to be ready to be a witness for him. I'm going to be ready to be his servant. Where he says go, I will go. Who he says love, I will love. I want to respond. Because if, if, if my neighbor had a beef with me and I, I know he's going to take me to court and I'm going to lose it all. I'm going to try to make peace before I go. If I do that on earth, how much more should I do it with my Father in heaven? God, I want peace with you. I know before I came to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I was at war with you, God. But now I've found peace through your Son, Jesus Christ. I pray that there are those here today who haven't found peace with our great God and Savior. They find it today through Jesus Christ. God, I pray that you would do it in a perfect work in and through us. I know there's a lot of things we're going to be busy doing, a lot of things we're going to run to and fro across the earth. Life is so busy. But there's only one thing that really matters. Jesus Christ has laid out the gospel of the kingdom. I will take the outcast and I'll make him part of the church, the family of God. That's the call. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Feeding the servants. Caring for the servants. Being who God's called us to be. God, may we respond. May we be, may we answer the call. Make us who you want us to be and be glorified in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we close out in worship, we're going to have prayer counselors available up front. God's laid on your heart. You need prayer. We'll be up here. We want to pray with you. God bless you guys. Go in peace.